Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. For our show today, I want you to memorize with me one Bible verse, would you? It's from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, and when I say these words, would you say them after me? In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Can you say the whole thing? In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. One more time. In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. What I want to do for this whole half hour is word by word go through that verse. Let's pray first. <clears throat> Father, there are probably many people that do not have redemption in Christ that are watching this show. And Father, we would pray that soon you would come to be their Redeemer. And those of us who do know Christ, Lord, that you would just open our hearts and our ears to receive from you the blessing it is that we are redeemed. God, speak to us now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Ephesians 1, 7, let's go through word by word. In Christ... Here's the first lesson today. Salvation is only in Christ. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, period. In Acts chapter 4, the apostles say, There is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus, period. So if you want to be saved, there's one way, and that's Jesus. I know that's offensive, but it's the truth. <coughs> Here is a uh, couple that start attending the church I served. And she said, the wife said, you know, Pastor Brock, let me tell you why we left our old Lutheran church for this Lutheran church. One day our pastor got up in the pulpit to preach on John 14, 6. Jesus says, I'm the only way to heaven. And the pastor said, I don't know why Jesus said that. We know our God is bigger than that. And I turned to my husband and I said, he's correcting Jesus from the pulpit. Let's get out of here. There is a heresy in Christian churches and seminaries today called universalism. It teaches that everybody goes to heaven, Buddhists, Muslims, atheists, everybody goes to heaven. Well, that's not what Jesus taught. Read it yourself, John 14, 6. Only in Christ can you find salvation. Back in the late 1800s, there was a big world's fair and they had something called the Parliament of World Religions. A Muslim got up and preached Islam. A Hindu got up and preached Hinduism. A Jew preached Judaism. At the end, a Christian preacher came to the stage, and he told the story of Shakespeare's Lady Macbeth and how she commits murder at the beginning of the play. The rest of the play, she's washing her hands, saying, out, damaged spot. And, and people wondered, why is he telling us this? But then at the end of the story, he turns to the other men on the podium and said, gentlemen, which of your religions 
can get the spot out of Lady Macbeth's hand. His point is, if you want to get out your sins, your, if you need the forgiveness of sins, you go one place, and that's to Jesus. In Christ, next words, we have redemption. The word we simply means every Christian is to be part of the church. Being a Christian is a plural thing. It's not a Lone Ranger thing. It's a plural thing. Um, in other words, when people say to me, well, I can be a Christian without going to church, my response is, oh, really? Find that in the Bible. You got a verse for me? I got a verse for you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Do not forsake the assembling of yourself together. I was at a garage sale recently. I'm going through the junk at the garage sale, and this lady says, oh, Pastor Brock. And she, I think she sees our TV show, and she knew me from before a little bit. I didn't know her. but, uh, and, and I said, oh, what church do you go to? And she got nervous. Uh, well, I worship at home. I'm about to say, well, you know, every Christian should be in a church. She ran. <laughs> I mean, she literally got out of the garage and, and, and walked uh, down on her lawn. And, uh, you know, if you can't give God one hour a week, are you a Christian? The word we mean every Christian is to be in, in a church. <clears throat> I served with a pastor by the name of Roger Carlson. And there was a guy that came to our church by the name of Roy. Roy was a kind of an ornery man. And Roger says to me one day, did I ever tell you how I got Roy into church? And I said, no. Well, Roy's, mo uh, Roy's wife and children would always come to church, but Roy would never come. So one day I knocked on his door and I said, Roy, don't you think you should be in church with your family? And Roy says, oh, that Hope Lutheran Church, nothing but a bunch of hypocrites at that church. And Roger said, Roy, room for one more. <laughs> that got him in the church. You know, every Christian is to be part of the church. And if you're not part of the church, are you a Christian? Next words. In Christ we have redemption. Notice the present tense. Here's the next lesson. <clears throat> salvation is already ours. In Christ we, present tense, have salvation. Can I tell you how this happened to me? I, I was in college leading a Bible study. And after the Bible study, uh, everybody left except one young college woman, and she said, Tom, are you sure you're saved? And I got a little offended, and I said, oh, I think I'm saved. She said, no, are you sure you're saved? And I said, well, I think, yes, I am, I'm sure I'm saved. And, you know, after she left the room, I thought to myself, I wonder if I just lied, because I wasn't sure I was saved. But that was when somebody shared with me 1 John 5.13. I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And somebody explained, because it's by grace and because of what Christ did for us on the cross, the Bible promises believe and you will be saved. It doesn't say you might. You will be saved. And that's when I got what's called the assurance of my salvation. If I was to die now, I know I'd go to heaven, not because I deserve it, but because God promises you that those who believe in the Lord Jesus will be saved. In other words, salvation is a present tense thing. We can now have, present tense, the assurance of our salvation. In Christ we have, next words, redemption through his blood. Do you know what the word redeem means? 
Technically, it means to pay a price to set a slave free. The Apostle Paul is writing Ephesians chapter 1. He takes this term out of the Roman slave trade. The Romans, there were many slaves that were uh, listening to this letter being read at, um, at, at Ephesus. And the, uh, their, their ears would have pricked up when they heard the word redeemer because every slave wanted a redeemer, somebody who would come, pay his price, set him free so he could become a free citizen. That's what Jesus did for us. Let me explain redemption. There's a story. Years ago in the Old West was a rancher who had two sons. One day his younger son comes to him, Father, I'm tired of living under your roof, having to do what you say all the time. I want my inheritance and I'm gone. He took the money, got on his horse, rode out into the West. Two years pass and the father hears nothing about the fate of his son. He called his older son to him. You know, son, what your brother did was wrong, but I love him and I miss him. And you get on your horse and you go find him. And no matter what it costs, bring your brother home. And the older brother agreed. The older brother gets on the horse, rides out into the west, goes town to town. Have you seen my brother? Looks through every street, every saloon. Have you seen my brother? Nobody's heard a thing. Finally, he thinks, okay, I'll give it one last try. Here's one more town. And as he's riding into town, he sees a large crowd of people in the town square with a gallows set up. And as he gets closer, he sees them just lowering the noose over the neck of his younger brother. And the older brother runs up to the townspeople, stop, what are you doing? This is my brother. And in anger, the townspeople say, your brother has killed in our town, he's robbed our banks, and we demand justice. And the older brother looked at his younger brother and loved him. And the older brother remembered the command from the father, no matter what it takes. So the older brother said to the townspeople, I will die in my brother's place. They hung the older brother and the younger brother went home free to the father. When we say that we have redemption, we mean this, I'm a sinner, I deserve hell, but God couldn't bring himself to do that to me. So he became a human, lived the perfect life I couldn't. They hung him on a tree. He paid for my crimes so I could be forgiven and go home free to God the Father. That's what the word redemption means. In Christ, we have redemption. Next words, through his blood. Through his blood simply means through Christ's sacrificial death. In the Old Testament, the way they got their sins forgiven, the blood of lambs was shed and atonement was made. In the New Testament, we don't kill lambs anymore because the Lamb of God was killed for us. So when you talk about the blood of Christ saving us, we're talking about his sacrificial death on the cross. Let me try to explain the, the blood. Here we go. Up here is heaven. Heaven is God's perfect home. If you want to get up into heaven, you have to be just like God is absolutely perfect because, and let's say this billfold represents sin, God will not allow any sin up into heaven. If God permitted sin in heaven, you'd have hatred, crime, murder, rape, abortion, pornography, so God won't let sin into heaven. This hand represents you and me, and the problem is every one of us is loaded with sin. So we can't go to heaven like this. 
Here's the good news, the gospel. 2,000 years ago, God comes down out of heaven and becomes a human being. His name is Jesus, born in a manger, lives about 33 years. He never sins once because he's God. When he's about 33 years old, he takes our sins off of us, put our sins on his back. He carries our sins up to the cross. They put nails through his hands and feet. And all the sins that I deserve to get punished for, that you deserve to get punished for, he takes our punishment for us. He pays for our sins so we could be forgiven. It kills him. He's buried. Our sins are buried with Christ. Three days later, he rises from the dead. He goes back into heaven eventually. And God promises you, no matter what sins you may have committed, if you are sorry and will turn to Jesus and trust his blood, trust his death on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, you're going to heaven when you die. That's what the blood means, that his death is what brings me salvation. In Christ, and only in Christ, we, be part of the church, have, you can know right now, redemption. He paid our price through his blood, through his sacrificial death. Next phrase, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Next lesson from that word is that God is a forgiving God. <clears throat> I'll tell you that when I was a younger Christian, here's the trap I would get into. If I would sin, I would say, God, please forgive me. And then if I still felt guilty, I'd say, oh, please, God. And I would ask for forgiveness five or six times for the same sin. And somebody pointed out, I actually heard a great sermon way back then. The pastor said, every time you sin, you immediately do three things. Number one, you immediately confess it. The word confess means to agree with. I agree with you, God, that was a sin. Number two, he says you immediately put it under the blood. God, I believe Jesus paid for this sin. And then number three, he says you immediately forget about it. God's forgotten about it. Forgive yourself and move on. So when I sin now, I try and sometimes I slip back into old ways. But normally, if I sin, I'll just once say, God, forgive me. And then I'll claim 1 John 1, 9, if you confess, he forgives. And whether you feel forgiven or not, that's not the issue. You know you're forgiven because of 1 John 1, 9. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of trespasses. I can remember years ago, <clears throat> I had a bad day, a sinful day. And I got on my knees next to my bed and I prayed for God to forgive me. And that night I had a dream where I saw a man wearing a turban and a long robe, and he was on his face on the ground, praying with his face on the ground. And he stayed there praying and praying and praying, and he never got up. And I heard a voice say, his God is an unforgiving God. And I woke up. And I knew what it meant. The reason I could get off my knees and go to bed that night is because my Christian God is a forgiving God. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Last phrase, according to the riches of his grace. You know what the word grace means? It means salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. We're saved by amazing grace. If you stop 10 people on the street and ask the question, do you think you're going to heaven? Most of them will say, I think so. But then you get to question number two, why do you think you're going to heaven? The number one wrong answer is, I've been good. <laughs> and I have a friend, Todd Friel, uh, he's on the radio, and he stops people and he does that at the state fair. And then he'll take the microphone and say, okay, can, can we see how good you are? Let's go through the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Is God the most important thing in your life 24 hours a day? 
Uh, well, um, let's do commandment number two. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Have you ever said, oh my God, oh Lord, GD it, Jesus Christ? Have you ever done that? Uh, well, let's do commandment number three. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Do you go to church every Sunday? Do you love to worship God? Do you ever violate the Sabbath? Uh, well, uh, let's do uh, commandment number four. Honor your father and mother. Did you always obey your mom and dad, or did you ever sass them back? Well, um, commandment number five, thou shalt not kill. And they breathe easy on this one. He says, well, uh, you know, the Bible says if you've ever hated anybody in your heart, you've killed them. Takes them through 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and if the person is honest with themselves, they realize, I'm a sinner, I deserve hell, I need some grace. <laughs> and that's when we share the gospel, that in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Where are you at on this? Are you trying to get to heaven by your own goodness? Give up. You'll never get there by that. But are you trusting what Jesus did on the cross in grace? Let's put it all together. In Christ, and only in Christ, we, every, church, every Christian is part of the church, have present tense. You can know now where you're going to spend eternity. Redemption through his blood. That means that Jesus paid the price to set me free so I could go home to the Father. The forgiveness of our sins. God is a forgiving God according to the riches of his grace, which means we're saved by the sheer mercy, love of God, not, hallelujah, by me trying to earn it. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, where in the Bible does it say that Jesus is the only way to be saved? What verses? All right. If, and again, you know, Jackie, I know it's offensive to people. You mean good Buddhists, good Muslims aren't going to heaven? Good Christians aren't going to heaven because we're not saved by our goodness because we're sinners. So the way to say it is, you mean evil Muslims, evil Christians? Yeah, we're all evil. The only way to be saved is through Christ. And people who's, who say they're Christians, but I don't believe he's the only way, I have to say, then what do you do with John 14, 6? Where, not me, Jesus is the one who says he's the only way. What do you do with Acts chapter 4 where the apostles say Jesus is the only way? And I will say this, when somebody says they're a Christian, but that all roads lead to heaven, well, do you know that you're denying what Jesus said about himself? Okay, but Pastor Brock, can we take it a step further? What about somebody who's never heard of Jesus and yeah. dies? Yeah. What do we say? And, you know, the th all I can say is, Jackie, the Bible is clear. You have to believe in the Lord Jesus to be saved. And what God does with people that never hear the gospel, you know, it's up to him. But uh, I think Romans chapter 10 says we need to get the missionaries out there so they can hear the gospel and be saved. So isn't their sin sort of upon us yes. for not getting right. out to them? Right. And isn't yeah. our God a merciful God? He, he's a merciful God, but Jackie, I, I, again, we're all sinners, including the people. No one will go to hell because they didn't have the chance to hear the gospel. People go to hell because of their sin. So nobody's going to be in hell because they didn't get to hear the gospel. They're going to be in hell because of their sin. And if you read Romans 1, even people that have never heard about Christ, they know there's a God because of the evidence of creation and because God's written his law on their heart. That was Romans chapter 2. So pagans in Africa, they know there's a God. They know what they should do, and they don't do it. So they're damned and need salvation. Okay. Does someone need to be in a church or attend a church to be a Christian? I, you know, I think so. You know, when people say, I can be a Christian without the church, again, my response is, find that in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Every Christian in the New Testament was part of the church. So I think you're playing with, with fire by saying, I can be a lone range Christian. 
Okay, now you said you thought you were a Christian and you were asked the question, are you sure of your salvation? Mm -hmm. Can a Christian, can a person be a Christian and not have the assurance of their salvation? You know, I think they can. Is it it's, our it's, fault that we're not trusting? Or? Uh, yeah, here's the deal. I mean, are there days when I wonder if I'm saved? There are. But I fight those doubts with the Word of God. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And so I, I, I'm not saying I never have doubts, but I overcome my doubts by the promises of Scripture. Um, you know, I do believe I was saved because I prayed or read my Bible. It, I did trust in Christ for my salvation. But when that girl in college confronted me and I finally came to know my sins are forgiven, I know because of Christ I'm saved. Christianity went from being a drudgery to the most wonderful thing in my life. So can you be saved without the assurance? Yeah, but I wouldn't try it. Why put yourself through that? What do you say to the person who, like you said, continually repeats the same sin and continually does it and that? Um, it's a hard concept to accept that once you've put that sin aside, that it's gone. Mm -hmm. I mean, it keeps coming back and you yeah. doubt that you are a Christian. Yeah. All I can tell you is you, you got a battle. The devil, uh, it says the devil is the accuser of the brethren, that's us. But the way we overcome him, and this is from the book of Revelation, is through the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So Jackie, if Satan is condemning you because you did something awful, you've asked for forgiveness, you are forgiven, but you're still being condemned, the way you overcome him is, is by the blood of the Lamb. That's claiming that my sins have been paid for, I'm forgiven, devil get out of here. And number two of the things that overcome them is the word of your testimony. You know, tell people, yeah, I'm sinful, but I've been forgiven. And somehow testifying will help you solidify that you're saved. You sort of just answered my next question. I was gonna ask you how we overcome the doubts about our salvation. Mm -hmm. But I guess maybe I'll change it then. Is it wrong for a Christian to sometimes doubt that maybe they aren't saved? Yeah, I, I think it's wrong, but I think it's, it's human. It's, it's normal. human nature. You know, there may be Christians out there that absolutely never wonder if they're saved. I haven't met them. <laughs> but, and, and you know, another good way to overcome our doubts is to take Holy Communion. I think one reason Jesus gave us the bread and the wine was to give us some tangible uh, sensory uh, knowledge that, I really did die for you. I, I really do forgive you. Now get up and move on. I think, yeah. And I, th I think the same with uh, confession and absolution. I think telling your sin to another Christian and having them pray for you is a powerful way to know you're forgiven. Okay, well then, does God always forgive our sins? I mean, what if a person keeps doing the same sin over and over? Well, I got two answers to that. Okay. Peter said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive this guy? Seven times a day? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven a day. So Jackie, if I, what is that, 490? Mm -hmm. If I have to forgive you 490 times a day, is God forgiving me any less? So I think if you're truly sorry for your sin, even if it's the 490th time you've done it, I believe God truly forgives you. There's that teaching. So yes, hallelujah, he forgives us when we commit the same sin more than once. Otherwise, we'd all be damned. But then, Jackie, the other half of it is 1 Corinthians 6, do not be deceived. Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, greedy, robbers, nor revilers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the spirit of our God. In other words, if you're living in impenitent sin, you're not repenting, you're not asking forgiveness, there's no fight, you're just living in it. Paul says those people aren't saved. 
Pastor Brock, we had a show just a little bit ago about what was happening at the different synod national conventions and the route that certain churches took that we actually consider to be her heresy. Uh -huh. Is God going to forgive those people that have moved that church body mm -hmm. into that position? I won't give you names, but I could. I'm thinking of two ELCA Lutheran bishops who have led the Lutheran Church into embracing homosexual behavior. What is God going to do with those two men on Judgment Day? Only he knows. You know, either they're truly saved men and they're way off, like the man in 1 Corinthians 3 who gets into heaven but barely, or they're not even saved. You know, P Paul writes in Romans chapter 1 about uh, these people not only sin, but they give hearty approval to those who are sinning. And these men are giving hearty approval. What is God going to do with them? I don't know, but I don't want to stand next to them on Judgment Day. I'd like to see their face, I think, because <laughs> I think there's going to be some surprise that they yeah. think what they did was right. Right. You asked me before the program, what will be the look on these people's face on Judgment Day when they realize I was wrong? What would be the look on anybody's face, even if you professed your whole life you were a Christian and God tells you something. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a scary thought. Judgment Day, I mean, here's the deal, Jackie, regarding Judgment Day. I know I'm saved. I know when I head into Judgment Day that Christ's blood will forgive me and, and wash me clean. But I don't think anybody's going to go skipping and whistling through Judgment Day. I think God's going to talk to each of us. Well, as long as we talked about these people in these churches that are driving them down, and there are people out there that maybe hear our show and are wondering if what do they do to find a good church? Mm -hmm church or how do they yeah. shop for a good church? You know, I've said this to, to people, if you're, if you're going church shopping, you need a good church, but you want to make sure you don't go to a heretical Lutheran church, but a good Lutheran church, not a heretical Presbyterian church, but a good, it's very easy. Pastor, can I just ask you a couple questions after the service here? Number one, do you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? Number two, do you believe there's a heaven and a hell? Number three, do you believe the Bible is the inspired word of God? Number four, tell me what you think about abortion, homosexuality, premarital sex. If you get a lot of tap dancing, oh, those are complex issues. You don't want that church. If you get it very clear, of course Jesus is the only way to heaven. Of course there's a heaven and hell. The Bible, of course, is the word of God. Then you want to go to that church. <laughs> okay. Um so how do you tell a bad from a good? By those, By those questions, questions that'll, that'll nail that'll, it. You shouldn't go any further. To I think if, you, if you're a liberal, if you've got a church that's, that's liberal church, they're not going to give you good, clear answers on those questions. Well, Pastor Brock, we're going to be closing this program, and you've heard me talk about a previous show. I invite you at the end of the program to jot down our website, because if you want to see that program where I brought that reference up, you'll be able to download it and watch it right from it's the convenience. It's called Heresy Update. Heresy Update was the title of that program. Um, we would invite you to check out that website, to check out what the pastor studies mission and goal is and what we would like to do. And we would continually covet your prayers for the success of this ministry and to what God's direction is to where it should go. Check it out at the end. Pray for us. And if there's any way you want more information about helping out with this ministry, feel free to contact us through the website. Thanks. God bless. Until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? 
you may do so at pastorstudy.org or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you would like a DVD copy of this program or past programs, please visit us at pastorstudy.org, a place to learn biblical Christianity.